Hey guys, welcome back to this episode of Return. Today we're going to be looking at the second of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, uh, the Church of Smyrna, and our need to stand for truth uh, in the face of persecution. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, so we have kind of been in this new part of the podcast where we're going through these seven churches, but specifically tying it to things that we're seeing are relevant right now to maybe pressures that the church is facing from society or um, main just topic issues that are being talked about. And and today we're going to be talking about the Church of Smyrna and Out of the seven churches, Smyrna was one that actually didn't receive a rebuke or a correction for something, but rather they received an exhortation uh, to stand fearless in the midst of persecution, um, things that they had endured, and also persecution that was about to to come upon them. Um, And this is just something that I think actually plays really well into things that we've been seeing happening just this past week. And uh, in general, um, again, speaking mainly for the church in America, is there is a need for us to stand for truth and to stand um, boldly in the midst of unpopular ideas um, in society, taking a stand for truth in the word even if it means persecution and even if it means uh, backlash. And we'll look at that here in a second. I want to look at the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2. It starts in verse 8 and Jesus um, addresses them saying that this, these things say the first and the last who is dead and who came to life. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't fear those things which you are about to suffer. For the devil is going to throw some of you into prison that you would be tested and you'll have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So just first off, what do you think, Benji, of what Jesus is saying? He's addressing them as the first and the last, he who is dead and who came to life. Yeah, one of the things that we've been saying and looking at is that the presentation of Jesus himself um, to the specific church, he chooses a specific characteristic of Jesus to give them courage, and it ends up being the solution for the problem, for the future tribulation, or for their compromising sin. Um, So I love that he's basically anchoring them to eternity. He's basically saying, guys, remember, I am the Isaiah 53 guy. I am the man of sorrows. I died. But it's I'm okay. Like, remember when you put your hands in my wounds. Remember that, that testimony of the apostles when they saw me alive. When I probably many of them were part of the 500 that possibly Jesus appeared uh, to them when they were, when Jesus was resurrected. I don't know, but I'm sure that the the story was very fresh that Jesus was okay with his glorified and resurrected body. So basically what I see here is um, you guys are in persecution. 
the pressure is it went from political to now you are in prison like and you are going to die basically it, it's a that sentence mm-hmm. but he's saying guys i was in a worse situation and i'm okay i'm alive yeah so basically you're going to be okay so it, he's anchoring them and uh to eternity which to me i see that and i'm like okay pressure is escalating to me in because i'm a public figure somehow I'm a small one but I mean, we're, we're, the Lord is calling us to speak out the truth right now, at least in Latin America, through Internet. And the pressure is growing and growing. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to look at me as the one who was dead and now I'm alive. Because that's going to anchor you in the time of trouble to not give up and keep standing for the truth. So that's what yeah. I see in the introduction of Jesus. Yeah. No, that's massive because Jesus is our ultimate example in every way. We know that, uh, like we talked about as the the title of him as the firstborn from the dead, that we are predestined to look like him, to be like him, to reflect who he is in every area of our life. And so ultimately the highest standard of our life is Christ. And so I love though that this servant leadership in which he leads with is that he will never call us to do something that he himself has not done. And he is exhorting this church to say, hey, I know that you're going under, you've been under intense persecution. You're about to face even more persecution. There's going to be 10 days, like a literal 10 day period where, you know, it's going to come on you again. And, you know, some of you might may die, all this stuff, but be strengthened because remember, I'm the first and the last. I'm he who was dead and I live. And to your point, uh, Benji, I think, the biggest asset in our lives when facing trouble, when facing persecution, and just in general, I think the very heart and core of the good news is the resurrection and the fact that we have eternal life. And so when we are rooted in eternity, it changes our perspective on things. It changes our chemistry on things completely though just the way that we respond the way that we act and I was saying um to Benji earlier today that I don't know last night before I was uh, as I was going to sleep I kind of was just having these morbid thoughts of you know if something were to ever happen to Benji and Elodie like it, I I just can't even imagine coping with life and, and trying to figure out how to live day by day without them. Just the pain of that would be so excruciating and, and unbearable. And I was kind of like getting caught up in the emotion of that. And I just, in a second, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, like, just about eternity. It was like, think about eternity. And literally in that moment, everything changed in in my emotions because I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, yes, life would be hard and it would be horrible. And I'd have to deal with the pain of, you know, his absence or all this stuff. But I get to be with you for eternity. Like that is the best news of all of this is even if for, you know, 40 years, it's like we're absent from each other. We get to be together for thousands and thousands of years enjoying one another, enjoying the Lord together, enjoying our friends. And I know maybe this is like a silly example, but I literally, it took me out of the misery last night that I was thinking about it, but please don't go anywhere. But I was just like, 
I, I just needed to root myself again in eternity. And honestly, I think that's how we deal with suffering in light of the gospel right now. That's how we deal with pain. That's how we deal with you know, the loss of loved ones or uh, crisis or all this stuff is when we reorient our mind and our hearts to think of our situations in light of eternity, we have a totally new perspective. Yeah. And I love that Jesus is saying, okay, this is the one that was dead, the first and the last, and I'm alive. This is the one who's... Um, speaking here and then he says i know your works and tribulation so it's yes you're gonna be okay you're gonna basically i don't see relief here actually he said you're gonna be 10 days imprisoned be faithful until the point of death so i'm like probably they actually died in prison but then he's saying i know your works i know the tribulation and i know the poverty so he's saying even your works as small, as slandered, as misunderstood they are, I know that there's a connection. Like, there's going to be a reward for everything you do. Even the things that you're going to do in jail. Even the yes that I'm invited. Basically, if this is literal, what we are reading, they which have, it is. which it is, they were going to be probably 10 more days alive. And that was it. And he's saying, I'm encouraging you to keep doing your works because they are counting for eternity because he says this, you are po- you're poor, but you are rich. And I love the contrast with Laodicean. They say, you have said, I am rich, but he says, but you are naked, poor, you, you have nothing. So he's saying, my perspective, which is eternity, let me tell you my opinion of you. You're going to die. You're, you're going to be a loser in, this, in, the, in the eyes of man. You're really rich. I'm telling you, in 10 days, you're going to be the richest man in eternity in the universe. Like, continue. And then, um, so I love that Jesus anchors us to eternity, not just to comfort us from death, uh, but is comforting us for wealth. Like, he's he's saying, I am going to make you so wealthy for your small uh, decisions that you make right now related to truth. That is worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. This is the highest investment that we, uh, the hi- the highest return that we can ever have is on this side of eternity. For whatever we invest, whatever we give to the Lord, the return and the exchange rate is so beyond generous. Yeah, we we can't even fathom it. But I think also the mention of their poverty and also their wealth is the persecution was touching, was really affecting their their pocketbooks. It was affecting, yeah. you know, in the United States, we have all these government grants, you know, for Christian organizations and, and uh, religious organizations, you know, you get tax exemptions and all this stuff. Well, basically, it was like the state was coming against them. They were getting persecuted because of their belief in Jesus and property was being confiscated, their their wealth and their belongings, their businesses were getting affected. And it, it was affecting them personally. It was affecting their finances. But the Lord is saying, you're, even though your finances are getting affected in such a strong way, remember, again, remember what you have in light of eternity. Remember what you have in light of the cross. And I think this is a, like a good little segue for 
even just things that I wanted to kind of focus on related to what we're seeing right now in um, America, in society. And obviously this is happening in other countries of the earth too. Uh, It's just easy for us to talk about America because that's where we live currently and that's what we're um, faced with day to day. But I do want to say that Again, these the letters to these seven churches, Jesus is very um, strategic about what he's saying. Obviously, they pertain to the people he was writing it to, you know, 2000 years ago. But it is extremely relevant for the generation in which the Lord returns, which means a lot of this stuff is what we need to be taking to heart right now. And I will say that there is there is now and there is going to be a rise of uh, persecution against believers in every country of the earth. And we know that from Matthew 24, because Jesus says, uh, you will be hated by all nations. And that's in the context even of his return. So there is going to be this hatred that we will face as believers by all nations in the earth for standing for Jesus, for for pledging our allegiance to him. And I just want to be bold and say that uh, we've been able to, um, you know, by and large live in a country or countries in which persecution for the gospel uh, hasn't been there for the most part, or at least, um, you know, I mean, for sure, not physical persecution, but we are going to see that uh, increase and escalate as yeah. we approach, as we get closer and closer to the days of Jesus's return. And honestly, just to use uh, an example of what's been happening from these this past week, um, we've been seeing these incredible uh, pro-life abortion uh, laws get put into place. You know, in 13 different states, uh, all of a sudden, you know, there's these heartbeat bills that have either been passed or about to be passed, and it's an incredible breakthrough and victory of uh, prayer for pro-life, for the unborn. And so I'm just so grateful uh, for these. But with that, and if you guys have been following just what's been happening on social media, the rage uh, coming from the the pro-choice side of this, the rage related to this has been quite honestly shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of it has has been targeted against, you know, Christians and, and against, you know, oh, well, you know, you religious bigots, you know, all this stuff, you want to control us. And it's been incredible because I've been posting a little bit of stuff on my social media about it. And I've been having friends writing me talking about how, you know, some of their friends, even believers, uh, have been so angry at these bills that have been passed and have been, you know, basically yelling and commenting things and and saying a lot of negative things against people who are standing for life. And at the end of the day, I'm like, that is just like, it's such a basic thing to me. I'm like, we're standing for what it is that the, that the Bible says that we are made in the image of God that um, he formed us in our mother's wombs, that a baby is a person in the womb. I'm like, it's not just biblical, though that, that's the number one reason why we stand for it. It's also there's scientific evidence behind it that shows it. I mean, any pregnant woman 
you go get an ultrasound, you're way more likely to not abort your baby because you're seeing the that heart, you're hearing the heartbeat, you're seeing the baby move within your womb, and you know it's it's a real person. But just the rage against something so fundamental as life in the womb has been shocking. And it's I, I like I just see that we are inching closer and closer towards um just the rage and and honestly persecution for standing for what the Bible says is true, for standing for righteousness. And um yeah, it's 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 been fascinating to me. But all that to say we this is our call as believers is that we would stand for truth and like benji was saying he knows jesus knows our works he knows that he knows every stand that we take he knows every time that we align our hearts toward him and to stand for for what he says is right righteousness and justice and i love this i have to look up the exact reference but it's i think it's proverbs 7 it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And that's kind of just been sticking with me yeah. this past week is we in the church, we need a fear of the Lord again, that the fear of the Lord would be that we would hate evil in all of its forms, abortion. And, and, you know, you just go down the list of all the things that we would hate evil in all of its forms. But as we take a stand for light, for life, for truth, we have to be prepared to bear the consequences of it, which will come in persecution. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this, and you who are listening, just think about this with me for a second. What would you do if your house, your money, your belongings, your your whole family and income and freedom was in the line or in the balance um, related to you speaking the truth, meaning the Bible, or not speaking the truth, what would you do? What would be your response? And this is one of the things that is beautiful in the sight of the Lord when we see martyrs dying for the name of Jesus on the earth in our in our generation. It makes you stop when you see someone suffering and makes you, you know, value, okay, why am I doing this? Would I say yes and it gives you or discouragement to the uttermost if you're not anchored in god's word and you have the seal for the truth and it is exposed or it gives you more boldness to say i will totally do it if they did it i will do it so that's why the death of someone in christ is beautiful in the sight of the lord in in the light of eternity because it it plums it plums lines our our lives and um, so I, I see the suffering of, I'm just having really fresh, nine months ago, this, our suffering brothers and sisters in China that came with us and to tell us the testimonies and the sufferings. Explain that, they, that for a second. Just, I mean, we all know that there's people being um, in prison and losing their lives in China because of the gospel. We got to see them. We got to be, um, they, they came here and they washed our feet. A thousand Chinese believers joined us uh, in September to 2018 and yeah, washed our feet, but they, they came to Kansas City. And so we had like an up close view and, and testimony listening to the things that they were undergoing in their suffering. Yeah. So that, that helps you to remember, okay, what would you do? And this is my question. What would I do? 
in in light of the pressure increasing what would i water down the truth or would i just keep it up you know and one of the things that i admire about the church in of smyrna is that they were willing they were to the point that there was no return they were already there you know it was too late for them and i i love that i want to be uh, if the lord allows us or in his will we get to suffer for his name to that point um i want to be able to to say yes but right now i need to i need to fight the fight that paul was talking about in my own members in romans 7 that uh, is raging against god there are areas in our lives that are raging against god you know it's not only devils and you know we think about these bad things like, oh, yeah, immorality and politics and all of this stuff. But it's, it's our own members. We need to recognize that our flesh is prone to say yes to sin and no to God. That the rebellion of Psalms 2, why did the nations rage and plot against God and his anointed one, is not far away from us. Is in our members. Paul is saying in Romans 7, I'm miserable because I'm in this constant battle. My members want, they love sin. And so who can deliver me from this battle? I want to do well. I want to please Jesus. I want to speak the truth. I want to, you know, all, do all of these things. But I find in my members a law that is there every single time I wake up and I go to sleep. And I need to submit it to Christ. Who can deliver me? And then we have this powerful chapter 8 in Romans that says well we have we have the law of the spirit we have god in us so again i'm thinking pressure is going to increase speaking the truth is going to cost us more to the point of the the book of uh, revelation chapter 2 if i want to get there and be able to stand for the truth to the point of death i need to start today to submit those areas in my life that are raging against God by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by political ideas, writing or reading the, the right book, the correct theology only, you know, written by a book. Um, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to confront those areas and overcome them by a higher power inside of me. If not, there's no chance that I will stand for the truth. I just know it. Mm -hmm. Paul knew it. And he had to be okay in his weakness. So his power will, will be demonstrated and strong in him. So we need the I think the, the, the solution is the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to confront us now. So we submit every ideology that is rising against the knowledge of Christ that is in us first. Yeah, um, to be able to stand for the truth tomorrow. Yeah. And I like that if we fast forward in the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, we actually see a church walking in victory in the midst of the greatest persecution that will come upon the, the face of the earth, the great tribulation. In the midst of it, the church is walking in the greatest revival. And it says in Revelation 12 that they overcome Satan, they overcome the dragon by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, and that they did not love their lives unto the death. And we see 
uh, actually just Revelation 12, 10, a verse or two before that, we see it says, now the kingdom, salvation, the power of God has come for the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And we see the church walking in power, in salvation, in in the kingdom, walking in the fullness of the kingdom. And it's because there is this whole thing of we are willing to give our lives, even to the death, because again, it goes back to being rooted in eternity, that if we have not just a head knowledge, but this knowledge in our heart, which is you can come and kill the flesh But the second after I die, I am going to be more alive than I ever was. That, like, if we are rooted in that, that changes everything. All of a sudden, the physical persecution, the financial problems, the, the distress, it puts everything in perspective to say, you can come kill me, I'm gonna be more alive if you come kill me. And and we know that we're going to be getting a resurrected body at that sounding of the seventh trumpet, you know? And so I love though, Benji, what you were just saying is there are things in us. And I think a big one is this human sentiment of, you know, we get really sentimental about things and about people. And we tend to go more with our sentiment than we do with the truth of the scripture and the truth of, of what Jesus calls good and righteous. And so it's hard for us, you know, to take a stand for things, you know, it's hard for, um, even to say, you know, gay marriage is not okay when we have a lot of gay friends. Cause all of a sudden it's like, oh, well we, we love those people and it's good. We should love those people, but we can't compromise things in the name of sentiment when they clearly are, they clearly go against the Bible and the, and the truths of scripture. And so that's where it's like, there's this war on the inside of us. I'm sure all of you have felt it. You even know what we're talking about because, um, I mean, even again with the, with the topic of abortion and, and seeing, you know, well, I can take a stand for truth, but it's like, do I want to even deal with the reproach that I would get for doing that? And it's like, there's almost this war in the inside of us that we have to face to say, am I, I don't want to say cower because that's probably too strong of a word. Well, the Bible uses it, right? Yeah. And, and I think right now there is like a wisdom to like, you know, we don't want to just be loud people without, um, you know, without first having brought things to to the place of prayer without, you know, I think like we need to be wise with our words is basically what I'm saying. But also I know that the, you know, people out there are not apologizing for the things that they're standing for. They are not apologizing about, you know, killing babies in the womb and, and just again, the list of things. And I think how much more knowing that we have the backing of scripture, knowing that we have the backing of, of, God behind us, how much more important is it for us to take a stand for truth and not cower in in light of just pressure and 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 persecution that may come against us? Because again, you guys, it's gonna come no matter what. It's just it's there. In the it's in the book. It's just there. We're gonna face it sooner or later. And again, it's the easiest right now that it'll ever be to stand for truth. It is only going to get harder. And I think I've had this new resolve inside of me, which is why even I'm just passionate about 
doing this podcast is I feel like I want to be unapologetic in standing for truth and lining up with the word of God. And I may not say it all perfectly. I may not get it all right. But even I just feel like seeing these pressures, seeing even just like the rage that's been coming against, um, you know, just again, the abortion, just the rage against it has been forcing me back into that place of prayer, back into that place of, I know that this war is not against flesh and blood. The arguments are so not logical. So it means that this has to be won through the place of prayer. It has to be won, you know, first there. And so I feel like it's getting, pushing us again to uh, align ourselves with the Lord, align ourselves with scripture, align ourselves with the truth of the word, letting the word be the sword, but then again, not backing down, not cowering in the face of of pushback uh, or unpopular opinions, but being bold to stand for truth. And um, persecution, it makes us ask those deep questions. It makes us ask, is this worth it? Why am I in this again? And that's why persecution actually is such a good refiner is because it gets rid of all the false motives and it gets rid of all of just the, you know, the, the, uh, what am I trying to, it gets rid of all the surface reasons of why we would do something and it gets down to the heart of it. Am I standing for truth because I love that man who is truth? I love when in, um, 1965, when someone was asking uh, Martin Luther Luther King Jr. uh, in the middle of all this rage, and I mean, uh, when he died in the autopsy, uh, autopsy or whatever you say it, um, they they said that he had a heart of a 85 year old guy because of all the pressure, and I mean, he was killed, right? But in an interview before he died, a few weeks before, I remember this, he said, uh, they were asking him, hey, aren't you like afraid to die because everyone is threatening you to to kill you? I mean, a lot of people hate you because of what you stand for. And he said, I'm quoting, a man dies when he refuses to stand, stand up for that which is right. And a man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. And he's, he's right. If we don't, especially, I'm speaking to you guys, men. We need to stand up. Men up, stand up, and refuse to let all of this hypocrisy and, and lies and all this demonic agenda of abortion to define the next generation. We need to stand for the truth, not to be afraid to die, but stand for the truth. And say, hey, this is what the Bible says. I don't. This is beyond politics. We we believe that a Jewish man is gonna rule over the earth. We may as well just start proclaiming it. This is beyond politics. This is since when this is beyond uh, uh, about politics. This is about truth. Mm-hmm. And if we refuse to stand for truth, we we something dies on the inside of us as sons and daughters of truth. Mm-hmm. Something we just die. It's like the salt stop being salted. Then we we're worthless yeah. in our commission and our assignment as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So I know it's costly, but I, I'm saying, Lord, Lord, I want to stand for truth no matter what, and help me, Holy Spirit, <laughs> because yeah. uh, because still areas of my life are raging against you. 
And I will just say this one last thing before you close. Um, we were recently in somewhere and talking to some um, young people that want to go to the mission field. And in a Q&A session, one of the core leaders uh, expressed that uh, she was kind of hurt by the fact that Jesus sends people to hell. And she's like, I, I still don't agree with that. And I said, sister, you better wrestle with that truth right now before you go to the mission field. Because that truth, you have to stand for that. Because we are the only, the only religion, quote unquote, so to speak, that preaches that our God sends you to the lake of fire. But he has the power to raise you from the dead. But he is a judge and he's a bridegroom. So if you don't, if you're offended inside of you with that truth about Jesus as a judge, you will not stand. You will not have a chance to stand in the midst of persecution because you're going to the battlefield with an offense with your general. You know, you have to have allegiance to, to the truth of the one who is sending you before you're sent. And anyways, that's just an example that made me think, oh, what are the truth, truths about Jesus in my daily lifestyle, like tithing. Some people don't like tithing. Nah, I don't agree with that. Well, then you won't have a chance to stand for the truth of life and death situations related to the gospel. If little foxes in your life are still eating out your faith, you are not going to stand for the truth. So I just want to stand, uh, end up with that. Yeah, and I like that Jesus ends this letter to Smyrna and he says... He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think ultimately that's, that is the call to us right now. Will we have an ear to hear the things that Jesus is talking about? And, and even ask him like, okay, Lord, I, I have these things in my heart. I love this prayer that Mike Bickle has said, Lord, offend me now. Don't offend me later. Which means the things that are costly to us now let let us work out, let us count the costs now before it's too late. And I think ultimately that is the cost of discipleship. Lest we forget, Christianity is about bearing your cross and about following the Lamb and, and knowing that, yes, there is resurrection. Yes, there is victory on the other side. But there's there's battles to be fought in the meantime. And, and we do have to count the cost as disciples of Christ. And so... He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let's talk to the Holy Spirit about these things. Let's ask him for grace to stand for boldness. Let's ask him uh, that we wouldn't um, cower in the face of persecution, pressure, when things touch our finances, when, when even family members come against us, when friends come against us, when people speak all kind of evil against us in for standing for truth and for standing for Jesus and knowing also, just that knowing who it is that we are standing for, knowing that if our finances are affected, all of that, we have a God who owns the whole universe. He, again, the exchange rate is so high. He will pay us back. But knowing, I, I love even this promise. It says, uh, Peter, the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, we've left father, mother, sister, brother, land, houses, all to follow you. And Jesus says, I, assuredly, I say to you, uh, you will receive all of those back a hundred times more in this life 
with persecution. Yeah. <laughs> the promise is, is we're going to receive a hundred times more than all that we've left behind, all that we've forsaken in order to, to follow Christ. And we're going to reap the reward for it with persecution. And so, Lord, give us the grace to stand for what you stand for. Give us the grace to to love truth, to love righteousness, to to uh, stand strong in the in the midst of the face of pressure, and and also to bring to prayer the issues that we're seeing and we're facing in society right now. Give us ears to hear. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. So, yeah. See you next week. See you next week.